We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, your premier podcast on all things Oregon football and recruiting. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres. Big, big game for the Ducks this week as they open up Pac-12 play against Deion Sanders and the number 19 Colorado Buffaloes, who are 3-0 behind the arm of Shadur Sanders. Got an awesome episode in store for you guys today. This is our preview and prediction episode. And joining me to break down this big-time matchup is Kevin Borba. He is the host of Locked on Buffs, and he also runs uh, Cardinal Country, the SI Stanford site. So if you remember him, I brought him on last year for the Stanford game. But Kevin, how you doing, man? So stoked to have you here. Doing good. Just trying to keep up with all the craziness that's happening with Coach Prime and Colorado. <laughs> Yeah, it it must be a, a super fun time. You know, lots of uh, lots of busy stuff going on for you. Uh, I know you got your hands in a whole bunch of uh, different things right now. So we definitely appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with us and and just give us some of your insight on, on this week's game. So I think a, a good way to kind of uh, you know wade into these waters and open things up is just kind of give me some of your thoughts on the the vibe around the Colorado program right now you know how are the fans feeling how do you think the coaches and players are feeling going into this matchup against the Ducks yeah I think the fans are through the roof excited um they haven't really had many reasons to be excited about Colorado football in the past decade or so um they are like literally through the roof they think Colorado's which I think Colorado is now viewed in a different light. I think prior to the season, everybody was like, they're going to be a cute story. They're going to win three games. It'll be fun. Um, but now I feel like there's Pac-12 um, championship contender talks. Like they may, maybe they'll make a push. Maybe they won't. Who knows? But they're in the discussion. And so this Oregon game is kind of like their first, I won't say their real test, because I think they've been tested every week in one way or another. But I think it's their most important test up to this point. Yeah, so the Buffs are 3-0 in this one. Uh, so far in the season, I should say, wins over TCU, Nebraska, and most recently Colorado State in that big uh, rivalry last week. Thrilling double overtime win for the Buffs. So they're coming off uh, an emotional high. I know sometimes people talk about that factoring into games, and and Oregon has just, on the other side of things, they're 3-0 as well. 
couple of uh, pretty big blowout wins over some easy opponents. I think people would categorize with Hawaii and Portland State, but certainly passed their first big test going on the road out to Lubbock for a win over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So I think they're kind of just keeping their head downs and heads down rather and trying to handle business as usual. I think Dan Lanning said earlier this week, play the game, not the occasion. And that's certainly the the kind of tone of the fan base, I feel like. Um, just excited about this game, no doubt. But I think a lot of Oregon fans, from what I can tell, maybe think that uh, Colorado could be in a little bit over their head just with how confident they are going to this matchup. Because I, prob- I feel like that a little bit, and we'll get into it later on with our prediction. But I don't think that Colorado's seen a team like Oregon, certainly not so far in 23. Yeah, and I think you can make the argument the other way around. Um, I think Oregon really hasn't seen a team like Colorado. They saw Texas Tech, which has been your guys' biggest test so far, but right now Texas Tech, they lost to Wyoming. Um, They obviously aren't off to the hot start that they were projected to be the Big 12 dark horse, and so that's been your guys' toughest game, and I don't think – I would say Colorado's offense, let's just put it this way, is way better than Texas Tech's offense. I think Colorado has one of the best offenses in the country – and so that's going to be a good test for Oregon defense, who's kind of um, skewed their numbers a little bit by blowing out Portland State by 76 points or whatever it was in Hawaii by 45 or whatever it was. So I think this will be a great test for Colorado's deep or Colorado's offense, excuse me, and Oregon's defense. Totally agree with that one. One of the bigger developments that have come out of Boulder heading into this game. Let's talk a little bit, Kevin, about Alton McCaskill. The Houston running back transfer, Uh, he's a sophomore out of Conroe, Texas, Oak Ridge High School. Uh, If you guys have been listening to me for a while, you've heard about Oak Ridge High School, five-star linebacker Justin Williams committed to Georgia. Oregon was going after him. Also, five-star lineman Joseph Jonah Ajonye. He's committed to Georgia now after being recruited by the Ducks. So that's a school that has produced some big-time talent. But I wanted to start off with McCaskill here, Kevin, because – I think a lot of people, myself have included, have been um, critical of Colorado's rushing offense, and they have a phenomenal running back in Dylan Edwards, who Oregon also recruited out of Derby, Kansas. But what what do you make of that development, and, and how do you see that maybe impacting this week's game? Yeah, I, I want to pull the stats up here on my phone. Um, I think that could be a game changer for Colorado's offense, because realistically, they've been winning all these games while averaging, and this is including sacks um, from the quarterbacks, they're averaging two yards a carry, um, and they have 183 yards as a team, where I think Alton McCaskill, and you mentioned Dylan Edwards. He's been great. He's had nice moments. Um, I think Dylan Edwards' future is um, kind of in the slot as a receiver. Um, He's really tiny. Um, I don't think he's between the tackles every down back. Um, We've seen guys like Deuce Vaughn do it, but I just don't know if that's in store for Dylan Edwards. Um, So I think maybe moving him out as a slot receiver could help. But Alden McCaskill is a three-down back. Um, he dominated at Houston as a freshman, was slowed down by injury. And I appreciate the fact that while Coach Prime probably recognized that they needed him, um, they let him get healthy. Um, this is the first week, I believe, that he's been able to um, take off the yellow jersey, which is the non-contact jersey. So I think that could be a huge game-changer for Colorado and take the pressure off of Shadur and the passing um, offense. Because if you could actually run the ball and kind of give your defense some rest, um, give the give the other defense something else to look for, that could open up things for the offense even more. And I think that's kind of scary if you're the Oregon defense. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of been the story with Colorado is that they've been living and dying by the pass. 
Uh, but they do have talented running backs that starts with Edwards. But but now with McCaskill getting added into the mix here, it's kind of an interesting little wrinkle that Dan Lanning and Tosh LePoy are going to have to deal with on the other side of the ball with Oregon's defense. And Kevin, the important thing too to, to consider um, for Oregon here is that this was a team that really excelled in large part at defending the run last mm-hmm. year. A couple of examples, obviously Oregon State is the one that everyone wants to point to where they were literally just playing and saying, hey, we're going to run the ball until you show us that you can stop it. And Oregon couldn't stop it. And then that's why they uh, ultimately ended up losing that game because Oregon State was just having their way and getting anything they wanted here. But fortunately for the Ducks, they return almost their entire defensive front. Guys like Popo Amavai in the interior, Taki Taimani, Casey Rogers, uh, Keon Ware Hudson, Brandon Dorless. You know, those are some of the big names. I think that's really where Oregon's defense is going to make a name for themselves this year in the trenches, starting from the inside out. But let's look at how Oregon's done against the run so far this year. Opponents are averaging 127 yards a game, so not a, a crazy stat. And like we're saying, it's kind of hard to take too much from two of those games. But I think that Oregon should do well defending the run. I think McCaskill is obviously a special talent, um, but we're still kind of waiting to see how Colorado's offensive line is going to gel and if they're going to be able to assert themselves in the run game. That said, I think Oregon really needs to hone in on their fundamentals here and make sure that they bring bring these guys down for tackles because we've seen some missed tackles. We've seen some penalties kind of rearing their heads so far early this year. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, about the offensive line is they got to protect Shadur better. Um, he's been sacked 15 times through three games. Um, he's only sacked 23 times all of last year, so they're on pace to – they're giving up – let's see, that's five sacks a game. So they're on pace to – um, allow Shadur to get sacked 60 times this year, which is not great. Um, so um, if the op- if the offensive line can kind of build confidence with the run game, maybe that helps them out with the pass blocking as well. And that's something else that we can talk about because Colorado's offensive line hasn't been great, like you're talking about, and Oregon's defensive line, I'm not going to say it hasn't been great, but I think it's been underwhelming. Um, Hawaii last week went into that game. They had, I think, statistically the worst offensive line in all of college football. You know, they were on par, I'd say, with Colorado as far as the num- the sheer number of sacks that you're allowing. And I that was one of my questions going into last week's game. Can Jordan Birch, the South Carolina transfer, dominate? Can anybody on that defensive line dominate? Because that was an incredibly favorable matchup for them. Now you go into this week's game against Colorado and you have an absolute stud all-star of a quarterback in Shadori Sanders, but you can obviously do yourself a favor and limit his effectiveness if you can get after him, if you can sack him, or if you can even just get hits on him and rush his process. Yeah, and I think that's kind of Coach Prime has talked about it multiple times. They need to protect him better. Um, he said majority of the time that Shadar gets sacked, it means the offense line missed an assignment or someone ran the wrong route. So Shadar is a very smart quarterback and he knows when to get the ball out. Um, but I also think it's hard to let plays develop when you have to get the ball out so quickly. And so um, that's one of my keys to success for Colorado is block better. Um, it's easier said than done. Um, I'm not going to act like I'm, I was a defensive li- or offensive lineman, but um, they need to figure out something. Maybe it's using ultimate casket to block a little bit, chip some guys. Maybe um, it means using tight end Mikey Harris to, or Harrison to kind of help out, but they got to figure something out because they can't keep giving up five sacks per game and expecting that um, one, it's going to work. And two, 
God forbid, we don't want we never pray for injuries or anything, but you don't want Shader, Shader to go down with an injury because he keeps getting sacked so much. But sacks we have seen build up over time and kind of slow quarterbacks down. Shadur is definitely the the heart and soul of that team right now. If not Travis Hunter, um, who as of right now isn't supposed to be playing. Um, first, I thought it was a lacerated uh, liver, and then I saw it was a lacerated kidney. So either way, it's not a good injury after taking that late hit last week. Yeah. Part of me, I don't know if it's just because it's Dion, but like part of me thinks like in the back of my head, what if this dude does play on Saturday, like just a major curveball. Um, I'm sure Oregon's thinking about that to some degree because they've been game planning for this game for weeks. Uh, but that would certainly be a, an interesting wrinkle if, if uh, number 12 is out there on Saturday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, he's supposed to be out for, I think, like three. three Three to four weeks, yeah. Um, yeah, with the last rate of liver, um, I've never heard of that injury. Like, I know that's a possibility, but I've never heard of that happening in football. I don't know Not how really. that happens. Yeah, like, I didn't didn't realize that was, like, a possibility, I guess, which sounds really stupid to say. But, yeah, he's a huge loss. I think um, the offense is better suited to do well without Travis. Um, not sim- not because he doesn't have an impact, but just because they have guys like Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn Jr., Tavares Dawson, um, and they have like Dylan Edwards as well. So they have a lot of guys that could contribute um, on offense. It's the defense where I'd be worried about. Um, the defense is kind of – we saw it against Colorado State. Colorado State kind of torched them. They had three receivers go for over 100 yards. Um, same thing with TCU. They, were, they had some big plays on corners not named Travis Hunter. So – Tough loss for the defense. Tough, tough loss in general because anytime Travis Hunter's on the field, he's a he's a play away from changing the game. Um, and so now Colorado loses that on both sides. You're basically losing two players, unfortunately, for Colorado is what it comes down to because um, he's a two way player. So you're losing like a stud on offense and a stud on defense, which is really crazy. Yeah, let's let's slow it down for just a second. I, I liked what we were doing as far as the Oregon defense against the Colorado offense. That's usually kind of how I like to do it, but we'll just, we'll roll with it and see where it takes us. But I wanted to add another note on Oregon's defensive line and and their pass rush. Another good development for the Ducks here is that some of their young guys have really been standing out early. Mateo Uyunglele, the true freshman out of St. John Bosco and Bellflower, he's been one of the, the biggest success stories early on. Almost had his first sack against Tyler Shuck and the Red Raiders a couple weeks back, but Tatum Tuioti has been a really nice addition for this Oregon defensive front, son of Tony Tuioti, Oregon's defensive line coach. 
And I think he kind of flew under the radar coming out of Sheldon High School in Eugene, but uh, wasn't a highly rated guy, super highly rated. So he's looking good. Like Purchase is looking good. And I think that part of that kind of plays into this bigger frame, this bigger theme, I think, in this game, Kevin, that we can kind of get into is just Oregon's depth. I feel like that's certainly a department that Oregon holds the advantage over Colorado, but maybe these guys are able to just keep it rolling and uh, you don't need to dig into your depth, but you see an injury like Travis Hunter and you're going to have to. Yeah, I think especially the biggest thing that Colorado is working with for the to cover their lack of depth is Sean Lewis's offense, um, regardless of what the defense is. Um, I think it's a great combination as well too like you're talking about the Oregon depth on defense the Colorado offense goes so fast that you're not really able to substitute and so whatever 11 guys are on the field for the defense are typically the 11 guys that stay on the field and I think that's kind of Sean Lewis's genius um, at play and which is why he's one of the um, most coveted coaches right now in college football for the the next round of head coaching hires Um, he doesn't allow for defenses to take advantage of their depth Um, like obviously you could switch out players the next drive but if Colorado's charging down the field and say Jordan Birch needs a sub, um, Jordan Birch isn't getting a sub unless they try to sub guys off. And then Colorado's obviously going to um, get them on a illegal substitution or whatever it may be. So that's kind of their counter for their lack of depth, I would say. And not a lot of people realize that um, because you don't really think of speed and not allowing people to substitute as a, a counter for depth. But it really is because, say, Mateo and Jordan Birch, for example, since we've been talking about them, say they're both tired. They're giving the coach the head tap, like, coach, I need someone. Well, Colorado is already going to be setting up ready to run another play. So it's like you better buckle up and find your second win because you're not coming off this drive. So I think that's kind of like their counter. And I um, am interested to see how Oregon combats that and how they kind of snap count these guys. But better buckle up, buttercup. Um, <laughs> I, don't know why that, I don't know why that popped into my head. I just thought that was funny. But no, that's a really good point, Kevin, because I think Oregon more than anybody would probably know that because that was kind of the whole idea with the blur offense with Chip Kelly all those years ago, not necessarily to make up for depth, but just taking advantage of that tempo. And Mm. that's something that's been asked about earlier this week, throughout the week in press conferences out of Eugene is just kind of how you're going to how you're going to counter that tempo, because that's something that Colorado has been using to their advantage and it hasn't at least recently, been something that Oregon has done a great job of dealing with. I think we saw that in the Texas Tech game numerous times last year that when guys just straight up aren't set, you're trying to get communication, you're trying to to get guys in the right spot. Hey, who's got this guy? Who's got that guy? So that is certainly something to keep an eye on here. And I know that Oregon and Dan Lanning are well aware uh, of Colorado's tempo and how they're utilizing that. So that's a great point that I love that you brought up. Let's talk a little bit more about these wide receivers, man, because Xavier Weaver and and Jimmy Horn are are both really some huge success stories for the Buffs early on. Weaver is actually leading the team with 25 catches. I guess Horn has 26, and Weaver has 25, according to Colorado's website here. But 386 yards for Weaver, 247 for Jimmy Horn. And uh, these these transfers from South Florida have, have really wasted no time making an impact in that offense. Yeah, and I, I have a lot of uh, South Florida ties. So when they transferred, I was like, okay, give me the scoop on these guys. Like, tell me. And so at first it was Jimmy Horn. Um, he was the one that was in uh, Boulder for spring and everything. He was the first uh, Colorado player to earn his number under the new staff. And 
he has pure speed. Um, he's kind of had a great story going around. Um, his father is currently incarcerated. And so Coach Prime has been um, really supportive of him. And that was actually the pep talk he gave him during the Colorado State game was, hey, your father's watching you. And he wants to brag to the people he's with that they want to see you do great. And so Coach Prime's a great motivator of these guys. But it's Xavier Weaver, who more people told me was like, Jimmy Horn is a game-changing, he has game-changing speed, great route runner, whatever it may be. But Xavier Weaver was the one at South Florida that was that left as one of their most accomplished receivers of all time. And he's just, he has what every quarterback has, Max. And that's, he's always open. Um, every quarterback loves a receiver who's always open. They could always throw to. Um, most of the time, Shadur scrambles. For some reason, whatever it may be, Xavier Weaver is directly in front of him, wide open, 20 yards down the field. Like that's just, he has a innate ability to just be in the right spot at the right time, jump ball getter. And I think they both test defenses in a manner where it's like you pick your poison. Um, it's not really like a if you shut one down, the other is going to do well. So you have to just um, do your best and hopefully you can contain them. I'm really excited to see how Oregon's defense can can match up with those guys because the secondary has been doing well so far in terms of limiting the big plays and just kind of trying to bottle up the passing attack. Sure, Texas Tech had a, a good day, but I think they're settling in with each week that goes by. And obviously a big part of that and slowing down the pass is going to be the pass rush and how much they're able to get after Shador. And then the back end has to take care of their responsibility with, with some solid coverage. I think Kyrie Jackson and Jaleel Florence have been the early stories for Oregon at corner this year with Kyrie Jackson coming over from Alabama. He's, he's made a strong impact early has an interception in back-to-back games against Portland or Hawaii and Texas tech. So he's getting a good feel. I think he's kind of settling in a little bit more after that uh, pass interference call into the Texas tech game. That was just, like I was watching that, Kevin, and I was like, what the heck is going on here? It was literally as if he just said, oh, I'm out of position. Let me hit this guy and just prevent the touchdown, which I guess I could see being, you know, a thought process. But that's why he's on the field and I'm not on the field. I can't I can't <laughs> relate to that. But Oregon secondary, I think, is, is still in large part a work in progress. You have a lot of transfer pieces coming in which uh, I definitely want to get some of your thoughts on the transfer portal here in a little bit because that's huge for Dion, right? Um, but the secondary for Oregon, it's, it's a lot of talent, tons of talent. You got Evan Williams who comes in from Fresno state following in his brother Bennett's footsteps, who was uh, also at Oregon. And then Tyshim Johnson's been doing well from, from Ole Miss. And then you have Nico Reed and you have Cole Martin playing a little bit. So Steve Stevens as well, Brian, there's there's just so many pieces here. And it kind of makes me think like, you want to have that versatility and that depth, but at the same time, I feel like you want to be getting closer each week with, hey, these are our best guys. These are the ones that we're going to roll out there on the field. And and I don't know if Oregon's quite there just yet, but that's why I'm super excited to just sit down and, and watch this game unfold. Yeah, and I liked I, – I totally forgot about Nico Reed. Um, he's a matchup Colorado where transfer. I think – Yeah, there's going to be a um, – if there was like a, a wager, like somewhere you could place a bet, is Nico Reed and someone from Colorado going to get into like a little altercation, like maybe a little jawing at each other? I would I would throw my life savings on it um, because there was a lot of clips from the well-off media videos of him jawing with uh, Travis Hunter, with Jimmy Horn um, during his time in Boulder. And I imagine um, there's no love lost between uh, Colorado and him. And yeah, I think the secondary – is this is going to be a good test for Shadur and Oregon secondary because Shadur doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Um, 
he's thrown one interception to date and it was it was ironically the guy that hit travis hunter um but he doesn't turn the ball over a lot and tyler shuck that was like one of the things that i think really helped oregon was he threw three picks that i think they were all like costly like very bad timing like shadur is one of the smartest quarterbacks out there um and so he kind of knows for the most part when and where to make these throws and so yeah that's going to be a great matchup and um that nico reed uh versus whoever probably jimmy horn jr circle that watch it live that matchup because i imagine those two are going to be jawing at each other all game <laughs> okay yeah we'll have to keep an eye on that one i'm, I'm going to be excited for it um maybe we can transition a little bit into kind of the other side of the ball right we'll talk about oregon's offense and colorado's defense i think we've gotten a good feel for for the colorado offense we know mm-hmm. that it kind of, at least so far, has lived and died with Shador, and I think they're going to go as far as, as he can take them. But this is also a yeah. good week to kind of build out some of that depth, see what other playmakers you have, uh, but you have a good feel for it so far. 